a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Well, five years ago this weekend, President Russell M. Nelson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints took the mantle, becoming the prophet and president of the church. Uh, he had a long list of skeptics, I think is fair to say. Uh, I think it was the Washington Post, or maybe it was the Wall Street Journal, who expected that his presidency would be uneventful, that it would have not any a ripple. Uh, it would be a status quo or a caretaker administration. And I will say that they missed that by a country mile, <laughs> maybe a little bit further. The last five years have been anything but status quo. Uh, it has been an extraordinary ride, one where he, uh, I think, informed the members of the church and everyone else who was watching to take their vitamins and fasten their seatbelts. Uh, so we are going to reflect on five years of President Russell M. Nelson leading the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And as a world religious leader, uh, much has changed in the world and much has changed within the church. And so we're going to take a look at where we've been and what comes next. And to help us do that, we always turn to Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Well, it's great to be here, Boyd. Always great to have you back in studio. And uh, there's so many things, like I can't even begin to count all of the things that have been done or changed or things that had advanced. Uh, Give us just a a 30,000-foot level first. You have chronicled, watched, reported on... uh, what has happened over the last five years. Uh, Give us a broad sense in terms of this administration of President Russell M. Nelson. Well, I was so glad that you mentioned that Wall Street Journal headline um, that actually said that the likely successor to President Thomas S. Monson was unlikely to alter the church's course. And so, you know, certainly he has done so much, starting with, with replacing the way we minister to one another, um, he he changed our Sunday meeting schedule. He asked members to use the full and correct name of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and and just earlier, um, just a few months ago, he actually changed tithing settlement to tithing declaration. Mm. Yeah, so many so many things, and obviously he traveled uh, in a way that was uh, not just fast and furious. Uh, it was extraordinary for anyone at any age. Uh, but for someone who began this journey at uh, 93 and is 98 uh, years old today, and uh, almost 98 and a half, uh, that uh, he has been a sprint. Uh, many within the church uh, sing a, a little children's song about follow the prophet. Uh, I think you and, and many others who have reported have, have chased the prophet uh, all around the world. I want to go to one of the things that uh, he mentioned that I think was really significant. And that was this whole idea of labels. We live in a very tribal society, and really all around the world, there's so much division going on. President Nelson reframed that in a really extraordinary way. I'm not saying that other designations and identifiers are not significant. I am simply saying that no identifier should displace, replace, 
or take priority over these three enduring designations, child of God, child of the covenant, and disciple of Jesus Christ. I thought it was so interesting that uh, his, that's, that was his list, that where he began, and he has so many titles uh, that he could list, but the fact that he chose these three and, and kind of ignored or pushed down the list some others. Yeah, he, he could have said he was a world-renowned pioneering heart surgeon or that he was president and prophet of an almost 17 million member church. He he could have said that he was a father of 10 children and a husband. Uh, yet, yet the things he chose um, are relevant to everyone. Mm. And it, regardless of marital status or the country they live in. So I, I thought that was very, very sweet. It, uh, you know, it was interesting that he said, if we let any other labels replace those three things he talked about, it mm. could be spiritually suffocating. Yeah, so interesting. And I, and I thought even just to bring it into some recent history, uh, we all uh, watched in shock and horror uh, just last week at a Monday night football game. Uh, a player is in cardiac uh, arrest, Damar Hamlin, uh, and the natural reaction for all the players on the field, all of the people in the stand, regardless of which team they were on or cheering for, uh, was to pray, was to call out to a God, regardless of what they believed. Uh, and that natural inclination, I think President Nelson has framed that for the people of the world, not just the people of, of the church, uh, but the people of the world in a, in a most extraordinary way. Uh, in fact, I want to go to that uh, next point, and you, you raised this earlier, Sarah, that President Nelson uh, was very clear on his reasoning for why he wanted members of the church and media and others around the world to use the full name of the church. Let's take a listen. Let me state what this effort is not. It is not a name change. It is not rebranding. It is not cosmetic. It is not a whim. And it is not inconsequential. Instead, it is a correction. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, or the Church of the Latter-day Saints, the most glaring omission is the absence of the Savior's name. Sir, you've been able to watch President Nelson with other faith leaders, with media, with world religious leaders and with world government leaders, and they all have followed suit in terms of that respect for the name of the church. Yeah, I am often surprised at how easily the name of the church rolls off and out of my mouth, because at first we thought, no one will say that. No one will say the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But it is an indication of where his thoughts go as a leader of a church that carries the name Jesus Christ. And in the original statement, when he asked members and others to use the full and correct name of the church, he said the Savior himself said what the name of the church should be, and he was going to respect that. Mm. I remember uh, being at the uh, National Convention of the uh, NAACP, uh, and they had met with President Nelson, and they used the name of the church with such respect and with such vigor and enthusiasm. Uh, it made me take a mental note in terms of what President Nelson was doing, not just for members of the church around the world, but for everyone around the world. It was really most extraordinary. Uh, one of the things that you have chronicled uh, often and traveled to regularly, Sarah Jane, is 
President Nelson uh, has been a temple building uh, president of the Church of Jesus Christ. I want to go just to a quick clip of President Nelson uh, from last October. We currently have 168 operating temples and 53 new temples are under construction and another 54 in the pre-construction design phase. Okay, Sarah, that's a that's a whole lot. Uh, so where have we come under uh, President Nelson's administration when it comes to temples? I, I, I love that list. I love the way he says it. Because if you read the footnotes where it, it talked about some temples being under renovation and, and added up the numbers, it came to 300. And, and he, as, as a worldwide religious leader, could have touted that number. We are going to have 300 temples around the world. Mm. But he didn't. And uh, I think that he um, has said repeatedly that it's not about the numbers. Yeah. It's about putting the temples closer to the people and giving them access to something that will bless their lives. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's always so understated. Uh, I remember uh, when we had a chance to visit with him in Southeast Asia, uh, and the numbers of members of the church in that area of the world are, are quite small. Uh, and he said, but it's never going to be about the numbers. It's never going to be massive numbers that this is about. It's about individuals and it's about families and it's about communities uh, and what happens when uh, when they come together. Uh, we're going to go ahead and step aside for one last commercial break. And this is one of those where we need to stay with the conversation just a little bit longer. It's been five years since President Russell M. Nelson became the 17th president and prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We'll talk more about what has happened in those five years and some important lessons from his life. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and it was almost five years ago, January 14th, President Russell M. Nelson became the 17th president and prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. We're taking a look back in his ministry and this uh, period of five years. So much has happened, obviously, with the course of the pandemic, uh, but it's also been an extraordinary time of pace and change. Uh, but also relationships. So we're really pleased to have Sarah Jane Weaver, who is the editor of the Church News, join us. She has chronicled, uh, watched, chased, followed, and reported on President Nelson's administration and all those that work with him. Uh, and Sarah, so as we as we continue our conversation around President Nelson and what he's done, you've seen him in so many different settings as a world religious leader. 
give us a sense of what's what's one of the things personally that stands out uh, in terms of President Nelson and how he leads. Well, President Nelson has many, many leadership qualities, but the one that the brethren um, that serve with him talk most about is how definitive he is. Mm. He seems to make a decision and go forward. Yeah. And, and you know, you and I were um, in Uruguay when a little boy asked him once, uh, President Nelson, you used to be a, a really world-famous heart surgeon, and then you had to to stop that, to become president of the church, do you feel bad? And President Nelson said, no, I walked, I walked through that door and I closed it behind me. He mm. just seems to look forward. He's such a forward-thinking leader. Yeah, and I think uh, in, a, in a real rare quality, uh, the older he has gotten, the more forward-facing and the more forward-looking he has become. Uh, and, which is an amazing thing. Usually when you get older, you start looking back at the past. You start kind of rehashing things. Uh, but he is so future-focused, uh, it's extraordinary. I think one of the things that I've noticed about President Nelson is his extraordinary ability to connect with individuals. And whether it's the president of the country or the pope uh, or an individual uh, in some remote place around the world, he has a, an amazing ability to connect and to help people feel like they are friends and that they are on a journey together. I want to go to one of those friends, uh, Reverend Amos Brown, of course, is the uh, pastor of the historic Third Baptist Church of San Francisco. Uh, and the friendship that he's built uh, with President Nelson uh, is most extraordinary. I love the enthusiasm. Uh, here's a little bit from Reverend Amos Brown. It can be well in this nation when we lock arms, as I locked arms with President Nelson, not as black and white, not as Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, a Baptist, but as children of God who are about loving everybody and bringing hope, happiness, and good health to all of God's children. Uh, we've both seen him link and lock arms with so many uh, around the world, old and young, famous and just on the street. Uh, it's an extraordinary ability and quality uh, that he has. Uh, others that jump out for you, Sarah? Well, I'm so glad that we got to hear from Reverend Amos Brown. <laughs> he introduced President Nelson at the NAACP National Convention a few years ago as a brother of another mother. <laughs> uh, but but President Nelson links arms with everyone, yeah. with, with religious leaders, with local leaders. Um, I've seen him do that with victims of crime. Mm. Um, at, before a devotional in Florida, he reached out to the owner of Pulse Nightclub, where there'd been a, a terrible shooting against the LGBTQ community. So, so he's, he's very, very inclusive and finds ways to link arms with people from all places. Yeah, I remember watching him as he linked arms uh, with the imams from the mosques that were uh, tragically uh, shot uh, in uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. And, of course, the church made a, a significant donation to the rebuilding of those mosques. But more importantly, it was about the community coming together uh, and healing. Uh, and he's done that in so many ways. I think one other quality that is, is so profound about President Nelson, and you, you mentioned his leadership style. I remember one of the members of the Quorum of the Twelve saying that, you know, he, he's almost always the smartest person in the room. But they have never heard him say, I knew that, or I already heard that, or I already read that. He has that inquisitive mind. He's always asking questions and listening, usually speaks last, not first. Uh, and that ability to just step back, uh, I always say there are 
people who everyone knows they're the smartest person in the room and everyone leaves feeling a little bit dumber. And there's those people like President Nelson who are the smartest person in the room and everyone leaves feeling a little smarter and a little better about themselves. Uh, you've had a unique perspective. You've got a podcast coming up with some of President Nelson's children. I want to play a little excerpt of that uh, that talks about just his view of dealing with the problems we all deal with on a regular basis. One time I had gotten all the Christmas decorations out of the attic. and We're talking we, boxes. Boxes and boxes because Mother loved to decorate the house for Christmas. But we got the outdoor lights out and we were getting ready to put them up on the outside of the house and imagine in your mind's eye a cardboard box just packed full of Christmas lights, strings and strings of Christmas lights. And these are the kind of the old school Christmas lights, the glass bulbs, the thick gauge cables. And we go to pull this mess of wire out of the box and the whole bundle of wires comes out in the shape of a box. And we try to unwind it and we try to untangle it. And he kind of just stops for a second, exasperated, and looks up at me and goes, this reminds me of fishing with your sisters. Oh, right. <laughs> we were fishing. And, you know, we were all really close in age. And he'd spend his whole time untangling our lines because <laughs> we would throw them wherever. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, I think we taught him patience and oh, yeah. long-suffering. Sarah, you've seen it maybe in some of those uh, settings where it is like untangling the Christmas lights. And who of us has not had that <laughs> experience? I usually just throw them away. Uh, but uh, what does that really tell us about President Nelson? I'll tell you, I love that clip. Um, the The story was told by, by Russell M. Nelson Jr. The um, only the, son. Yes, the, the Nelson's <laughs> 10 child and only son. They had, they had nine daughters first. And we also heard people... Um, you know, chiming in, um, Gloria Irian and, and Laurie Marsh. And they, they brought something of a picture of what life was like in his home. And he doesn't get riled very much. You know, here are these lights. All of us have felt the frustration of trying to figure out how to untangle the lights. And yet he goes to a place that were, was some happy memories where, mm. you know, he's got fishing lines everywhere and he's trying to untangle those. And, and there is a calm – there's a calmness and and something that says we've been here before and we'll get through it because we got through it then. Yeah, uh, so amazing. And he has been anything but a status quo, uh, anything uh, but uh, a caretaker kind of administration uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And I think so many of his ripples uh, really turned in into big waves uh, that have impacted – uh, the church uh, and those beyond the humanitarian efforts of the church uh, continue to expand and influence. Uh, most of those people are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You've had a chance to, to look at some of that component to it, uh, but it seems to me that President Nelson's vision of all the places and spaces that the church can make a difference uh, continues to grow. Yeah, he is absolutely someone who thinks big and yet ministers in the moment. Mm. He his his administration is so expansive and so many things have changed that influence the way members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints worship. And yet day to day, what he's focused on is what's right in front of him, whether it be a child or it be someone who needs comfort or whether it be a vexing problem that that needs the attention of the leader of a worldwide church. Mm. It's such a, an amazing thing to watch and 
uh, just real quickly, Sarah, uh, any anything you're looking at moving forward? Uh, he always says, you know, take your vitamins, buckle up your seatbelt. Uh, what's what's next? Well, he has been very, very clear in constantly repeating that the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ is ongoing. And he says there's much more to come. And I think that means that he is going to continue, um, as he has said he does as leader of the church, to um, seek inspiration and revelation from the Savior Jesus Christ and then quickly act as he thinks that he should. Ah, fantastic. Sarah Jane Weaver, always appreciate your perspective from the church news. Uh, really watching, it's been five years now uh, since Russell M. Nelson became president and 17th prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, definitely got it wrong. This was not a caretaker administration, nor is it one with very small ripples. Uh, this is a wave, and this is what a world religious leader looks like. This is what a world religious leader acts like. And the impact is significant right here in our own backyard and around the world. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.